Alright, so Mike, can, can we pray for you? Maybe we can have more elders. Alright, Father, we just come to you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And whatever you want to work through, Mike, this morning, Lord, we receive him not as a guest speaker or this guy that, that we saw on a video once or on a podcast, Lord, but he's a dad amongst us, Lord. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as he speaks, he will speak to, to us as a father, a father that has, has walked this road, Lord, that speaks not only from experience, but also a place of intimacy, a place of loving us. Thank you, Lord, that he loves us as a congregation and as a people, Lord, uh, like a dad loves his, his, his children, Lord. And so he speaks this morning, Lord, not, not from just teaching us, but also trying to help us and say, hey, I've got this, I want to share that you can understand fully what the Lord wants to talk to you this morning. And we receive him in that way this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Great. Um, well, thank you. It's uh, really a, an absolute honor. Do, 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 I need, do you want me to have a mic? Okay. Maybe you could. I can speak without it, but I'll speak with it. It'll be easier. So, yeah. Um, but it's a real honor to be with you this morning. I must say, it's, uh, I was saying to Willem, we always drive past Grubo. Never been in. And uh, it's, it's actually a wonderful privilege. So thank you so much for, for having me and, and the team and others. With really, it's an absolute uh, delight being with you um, in this beautiful part of the world. I'm from Wellington. And so living in Wellington is also surrounded by mountains, also raining at the moment. And uh, okay, I'm not that tall, but you can. <laughs> oh, my word. You can drop it. You can drop it a bit. Yeah, that's, that's great. I don't know about you. Wow. I will not be able to read <laughs> Am I like a giant or something? Let <laughs> um, me tell you a bit about myself. So, uh, nice to see some old faces as well. And wow. Um, old just Gen guys. But uh, I'm married. I've um, been married now for going on 26 years in January. So, my wife and I, we got married. I was, yeah, we were both 23, 24 when we got married. And um, unfortunately, she can't make it this morning. She's back in Wellington. Her mother, my mother-in-law, arrived. My, squid, my, my clean mother. Um, and so she's in Wellington at the moment. And she's visiting. And it's just the way it worked out. She couldn't join us. So uh, that's why I'm here without her. But uh, yeah, I've got three children. My oldest is 23 years old now. Turning 24 this next month. Can you believe it? No, 23 next month. Yeah, 23. And uh, I've got a middle daughter who's studying in Bloemfontein. She's 20 at the moment, Joel. And I've got a son who lives at home with us. He's 16 years old, just turned 16 two days ago. And he lives with us as well at home. And uh, he's in Wellington with us, so his name's Daniel. And um, yeah, and so we've been involved in Josh for many, many years. So serving alongside Andrew uh, on the team. Before this, actually, before we in Wellington, we were in Edgemead, and so we were involved in helping to lead the Edgemead congregation from Walmere. And before that, we were in Otsorn in the Southern Cape. We had planted a church out of Joshen into the Southern Cape at the end of 2004. Uh, we led that for six years, and before that, we had moved to Cape Town from Port Elizabeth, from the Eastern Cape. Uh, to actually help the church plant just a few months later. And before that, I was born in the Seychelles. That's why my accent, I don't have that like Eastern Cape accent um, that, that some have. You know, If you want to know if someone's from the Eastern Cape, you ask them to say Wi-Fi and they go Wi-Fi. So that, that's how you know normally. Anyway, but um, same as Benoni, right? <clears throat> no. <laughs> um, but what I want to do this morning is I would love to share with you just from... Uh, scripture, uh, just in talking to Willem in the week, I believe that you've been doing a series on, um, well not a series, but I think the Lord's been leading you and you've been camping on the theme of fear and I think in around what it means not to fear and how God has not given us a spirit of fear and uh, Willem just spoke to me about that scripture seems to have life on it at the moment and while I was reading it in the week and considering how I can come this morning just to share with you and minister to you um, I was reading 2 Timothy 1 and it obviously speaks about how God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind and uh, as I was reading that I realized that what Paul was saying to Timothy was saying to him actually he's given you the Holy Spirit. Really, that was the, the essence of Timothy's um, place of where he could find life and 
breakthrough from fear is because he was given the person of the Holy Spirit. And this morning what I'd like to do is actually share with you around the person of the Holy Spirit, around the Holy Spirit, the helper. And uh, really just to unpack a little bit of what the Bible says around who the Holy Spirit is, some of it might be well-worn. In other words, you might have heard some of this before, but you know, that's fine because I think we, we, we need to get renewed and refreshed and reminded sometimes of these things. I know I do. And, uh, and often when I preach, I have to preach to myself um, so that I can be reminded of these truths for my own life. And uh, I'm sure you find that true for yourself as well. All right. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to read us a scripture from John chapter 14 and have a look at from John 14 verse 16. And before I read the scripture, just want to give you a context. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. Are you guys okay if I speak? Do you preach in English normally? English. Oh English. In the... <laughs> <laughs> in the Himmel Sittal. The Himmel Sittal. Okay, so you, you preach in English in the, in the heavenly language. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I hope you don't mind. I mean, I can speak Afrikaans, but I would prefer to speak English because uh, it would really not be good. You'd be praying for me too much while I'd be speaking in Afrikaans. So it's better that I speak English right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fantastic. So as, before we read the scripture, I want you to imagine with me that imagine you are one of the 12 disciples that had been walking with Jesus. Imagine that you had spent at least three years living with the Son of God, where you traveled with Him, um, you know, you kind of ate with Him, you saw Him minister, you bantered with Him, you, 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 you journeyed with Him, with Him and His friends, the disciples, and others that traveled with Him. But imagine spending three years with Jesus, with Jesus um, and as you spent time with him and you got to know him, you realized that this man was no ordinary man. And you realized that this man, actually like Peter says later on when Peter writes 1 Peter, and he says that in Christ or in him was found no deceit. No deceit was found on his tongue. No sin was found in him. That they had lived with him for all that time and they realized that this person was so unique so special that obviously they ordered their entire lives around him. Imagine when Jesus calls you, if you were one of the disciples, imagine having to give up your entire business and willingly giving up your life so that you could follow him on the dusty streets of Palestine. Imagine, imagine living with him. Imagine what it was like when you did life with him, when you sat around the bride, you know, um, talking and sharing stories. Imagine what it was like to be living with Jesus as the Son of God. Um, imagine the fact that I know how I would have felt. I would have felt guarded. I would have felt because I know that he, he would have loved me and I would have felt special. I would have felt called and chosen. I would have felt that he, uh, over time, I realized that he's the Messiah and he most likely was this promised king who had come to rule over the nation that I was living in, that finally he was going to come and remove the, the enemies from the country. In their case, they lived in an occupied territory. Their, their country was occupied by the Romans, as we know. Now imagine you realizing that Jesus is the true king. Uh, you're not quite sure who he is. You know he's a king, but you, you're not quite sure that their theology wasn't yet formed to know who he was. But imagine knowing that this is the one who, through him, you are working miracles, you are seeing signs and wonders, that every person that came to Jesus had been healed, had been delivered, had been set free, and you are an eyewitness to, this, to what, is, what is happening before you that is changing the history of the world right in front of you. You have a front row seat to what is happening. And then, you are feeling like we are going to change the world with Jesus. And suddenly Jesus one day says to you, or says to the group of you, I've got something to tell you. What I want to tell you is this, that I will not be with you much longer. I'm leaving. What? what? But Lord, we've left everything to follow you. 
You know, we, like Peter's like, I left my fishing business to follow you. He was doing quite well. <laughs> you know, I left that. I, you can imagine the turmoil that they were going through. But Lord, what do we do? Where do we go? You, you, you are the one that we are following. And he says, no, but I'm leaving you. I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Someone is coming that is going to come and replace me. Someone who is just like I am, but a little bit different. He doesn't quite say those words. I'll read the words that he says now. And in that context, Jesus begins to speak about the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'd like us to read that. So I want you to understand the context that these are people that are feeling very, the disciples were feeling incredibly, probably insecure, a little bit, um, you know, like the ground was shaking under their feet because the one that they were put their identity in was leaving them. And in light of that, Jesus says this. He says this in John 14. In, in, if you read it on your own in John 13, he says, it's, you know, I'm, I need to go. But he says, it's better that I go. And then in John 14, 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I want us just to backtrack there. And he says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. Now, it's interesting. Why does he say another helper? Because they already had the helper with them. And the original helper was Jesus. Jesus was their helper. In other words, what the word helper means, and I'm sure some of you have heard this before, but the word helper comes from a word that basically means lawyer or defender or advocate. I think some translations use parakletos. The idea that someone stands on your behalf to defend you and stand next to you and make sure that you are going to overcome the things that you would need to overcome. Um, uh, I know the word is a defense lawyer, uh, some versions speak about. Do you, any, have any of you been to court where you've needed a lawyer? Uh, I haven't. I'm not sure if any of you have got into trouble where you need a defense lawyer who defends you. But that's the idea, is that Jesus was there to help them and walk with them and defend them. You know, we had a lady, I'll explain a different version, a way of this. We had a lady in our church in Hertzorn many years ago, and she felt the Lord tell her to start a pregnancy crisis center. And this pregnancy crisis center she began, it's still going today in Hertzorn, is because she had a heart to come alongside a young pregnant woman uh, many of them were single. They were 15, 16, 17 years old. They had gotten, many of them come out of very poor backgrounds, and they got pregnant, and now they wanted to give up or abort their babies. They wanted to, you know, have an abortion so they could get on with their lives. And this woman, she had such a heart for the unborn and for these single pregnant teenage, teenagers, ladies, that she came alongside them. She started the center so that she would defend them. And not just them, but she wanted to defend the unborn, defend those that were in the womb to give them a chance. You know, I want to say that that is parakletos. It's someone that comes alongside us to help us and enable us to come into, into the more that God has. And this lady, actually, um, we went to visit her a number of years ago after we had left Otsorn, and she had a book. And in the book, she had all the letters from the... The, the mothers that had actually decided to keep their child and had decided to keep their children and the children are growing up now and she's got these letters and photos from these women who have said thank you so much that you have stood in, and you convinced me to keep my child and you convinced me you stood with me and you defended my unborn child and you know that's the picture of Jesus that was with the disciples with them um, and interesting, I want us to look at 1 John, and then I want us to, to look at the Holy Spirit. In 1 John 2 verse 1, it mentions how Jesus is our parakletos in 1 John. Um, and it says this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. That's the same word helper, a helper with the Father, or, um, but this is in a legal sense. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And, um, and that's the same word, parakletos. In other words, that right now, our original helper, the, the helper of the 12 disciples, the one that was with them and that defended them in a sense and uh, empowered them to live for the Lord, where is he? He's in heaven right now. Our helper is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father and he's defending us. He's defending us from the accusations of the devil. That as the devil would want to come and accuse you before God and even whisper thoughts of accusation to you, Jesus is the one who's defending us, who's saying, no, but you're covered with the righteousness of God. You are accepted in God. Um, and you have access, free access to the Father. And so Jesus right now is our lawyer in heaven in some ways. But on the earth, Jesus says in John 14, says, I'm going to give you now, as I go to heaven, I'm going to send you someone on the earth. That's not limited to be in one place at one time. Because Jesus could only ever be in one place at one time. If you wanted to be with Jesus, you would have to go to Israel to be with him. But he's given us someone that will be everywhere at every place. And that as he's with Willem in his home and walking with him, he's with you in where you are. And that suddenly God is not in one place, but he's everywhere helping us as he should be. And... Um, and so he says, I'm going to give you this other helper. And you know, I think it was the old Bible teacher, Derek Prince, once said that if God is giving you two lawyers, God is giving you two defense lawyers, you've got two helpers, one in heaven and one on the earth. And if you've got two lawyers, you will never lose a case. Most people only get one lawyer. God is giving you two defense lawyers. Why? Because he wants you to succeed. He wants you to flourish in our faith. So that we would not be overcome, we would not fall into fear. And I, I know fear is a very real thing. But if we understand that we've been given this helper, he enables us not to fear. Uh, to overcome in the areas that he's asked us to overcome. And, um, and so we see here, he says, I'm going to give you another helper. Then he says this in verse 17, if you go back to John 14. He says, I'm going to give you another helper to be with you forever. And he calls him the spirit of truth. Um, and you know, the Holy Spirit has got a number of names. If you read the New Testament, you see sometimes the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. Um, in Romans 8, it says the Spirit of Christ is dwelling in us, if you're a Christian. It mentions the Spirit of Grace. Uh, mentions, the, again, the Spirit of Truth. Other places it mentions the Holy Spirit. And so we've got all these terms that refer to this being or this person that is living within us. That when Jesus ascended to heaven and he, it says he poured out his spirit upon the church, somehow this miracle that if we are now serving Jesus and have given our lives to Jesus, he's promised us the gift of this being called the spirit that is living within us. But what's amazing, you know, and I, I meet Christians, um, oops, I meet Christians all over the, the place and often there's a great misunderstanding when it comes to the Holy Spirit. People often say, oh, it, or they refer to the Holy Spirit as some kind of mystical fog, or some energy field, that kind of, when we meet together, this, this kind of presence is with us, but in kind of a non-personal way. Um, you know, almost like, oh yeah, it touched me, and it empowered me, and it kind of did a work in my life. But actually, when we read about what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, it says, because the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. And we find that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not just any person, but He is one that is like Jesus in every way. That is, as Jesus was God, actually, as you'll see now, the Spirit is God. As Jesus was all-powerful, the Spirit is all-powerful. Um, he is another helper, just like Jesus, on the, on the earth to help us. And what I want us to do is, I want us to have a look in, to do a bit of a jet tour, a quick read through the book of Acts. Now, I'm not going to read the whole book of Acts, but I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures as I look through Acts. Um, and as I do that, you know, we've all had different experiences with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've come in, and I know for me, I got born again, in a, out of a very traditional church. The church I got saved out of was the Roman Catholic Church, the Catholica, with priests, you know. You had a, a man who dressed up in a big black robe, 
Um, we called him father. You know, he dressed up, looked like a mother, dressed in his long robe. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there were people that loved the Lord. I grew up in a very superstitious religious home. We had a statue of Mary uh, in our home that my father would kind of often refer to Mary. And he would say things like this, you know, well, Jesus is too busy for us. God is busy running the universe. We need the saints. And you, that's why you can speak to Mary, because Mary's available. She was human. She understood what it was like. I had a very weird concept of God growing up. And, um, and also, I didn't have any understanding of the Holy Spirit. If you asked me about the Holy Spirit, I thought that the Holy Spirit was some energy field. I didn't understand that the Holy Spirit was a person that we can speak to and have fellowship with and commune with. And, um, and what happened was in high school, my younger brother, my, sorry, my twin brother, I've got a younger brother and Exetuelan, my twin brother. My twin brother got invited by a friend to a charismatic church, charismatic campus, all right? In other words, we call them happy clappies. He got invited to the happy clappy church. And in the happy clappy church, we were like, whoa, 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 what's that? And my dad was, don't go near that church. Those people are weird. Don't go near them, because if you go near them, you find that they swing on the chandeliers, they, they do cartwheels in the church, they, my dad had heard stories, he's like, no, 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 those charismatics, if they lay hands on you, you're going you're gonna to lose your mind. And we're like, dad, we're not going anywhere near that, you know, Paul's honey, daddy back to you, you know, but my brother went, and the Lord touched him, and I remember him coming back, but I had this, I was fearful of the Holy Spirit. Fearful of churches that even open this themselves up to the Spirit. And it took me a number of years to actually be open to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Because I had never done that before and I was scared that actually I would lose control. And I, I remember I was deeply, deeply afraid. Now some of you might have had experiences where the work of the Holy Spirit has been, maybe you've experienced an abuse or a misuse of the, the gifts or maybe some of you are here and you've never really experienced the, the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit. I think if anything today what I want to do is I want to, uh, I felt that the Lord wants to come and to empower us afresh just that we would see Him and that we would understand that we are called to be spirit Christians and that when the early church um, walked with Jesus they didn't just have Jesus and the Father but they walked with the Spirit on a daily basis. They had fellowship with Him. They, they, he was involved in their lives, not just in a meeting, um, but actually in the very part of their lives. And if we look here at Acts, and I want us to start with Acts chapter 5, we see that the book of Acts mentions a lot about the work of the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. And much of Acts, by the way, is a picture of... Um, the Holy Spirit is the, the traveling companion of the disciples. In other words, he traveled with them. He was with them as they went, as they ministered, as they, as they just went about their daily lives. The Holy Spirit was with them. And we'll see now is how we see the Holy Spirit speaking and guiding and leading. And if he did it for them, shouldn't we believe and trust that he can do it for us today as well. Because we believe that we are also spirit Christians. In other words, of course, we, we centered around Jesus, um, but the spirit of Jesus is living within us. And I want us to start with the scripture, and I'm going to go through a number, but I want us to start with Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, and let's have a look at the scripture in Acts 5 and verse 3. And um, before we just look at the, I want us to see how the Holy Spirit here is called God. And just understand that if some of you maybe think that the Holy Spirit is less than Jesus or less than the Father, let's look at the story. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? He says, to lie to the Holy Spirit. And so these individuals, Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife, uh, I won't go into the story, but basically they had... They had deceived the apostles by hiding money that they should have given. Long story. And Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you kept back part of yourself, part of the proceeds of the land. And verse 4 says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? 
And after it was sold, was it not yours at your, your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but you've lied to, what does it say? But to God. And early says you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Here what it does, it equates the Holy Spirit with God. The Holy Spirit is God. He has the attributes of God. He has the mind of God. He has the personality of God, the character of God. And throughout the Bible, He is the person of God, the third person of the Trinity. And then as we go on, we see the way that He actually ministers and interacts with the disciples. So let's go to the next scripture, which is Acts chapter 8, verse 29. And it's the story of this man, Philip. And here it says of Philip, Philip was a, one of the disciples. He was actually one of the first deacons in the church. He was a diakon. So he wasn't just a, a, a chair stacker and someone who packed out the, um, like in the traditional church, the diakon. What does the diakon do? The diakon is like a coster, opens the church building. You know, and someone who's always faithful. And, but maybe their struggle was smoking. You know, and they, they pack out the chairs every week and they're there early and they leave late. That's not what a deacon is. A deacon is someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And this man, Philip, was filled with the Spirit. He, wasn't, he was a faithful man, but he was more than just someone who was a servant. He, he served through the power of the Spirit. And look what it says about Philip. And Philip is walking along. Um, he had just ministered and he had done miracles in a city called Samaria, where he was an evangelist and he preached the gospel. And many, many people got saved and delivered and uh, there were miracles and signs and wonders. And as Philip is finished in this town, he's walking along and it says this, And the Spirit said to him, he's walking along, and the Spirit said to him, Go over and join the chariot. And along comes this chariot with this man sitting on there um, from Ethiopia. And the man was reading the Bible and had questions. And the Spirit says, That man, go to him. And as he goes to him, he sees that that this man's reading the Bible and he begins to witness to him and he leads him to the Lord. What, what happens here? The Spirit says to him. You know, and have you ever had that where you've been walking along or you've been doing something or you've been praying and you've sensed the Lord say to you, go and do that. Go and do this. And you've gone and done it and the Lord maybe has used you in a certain way. Um, and I know these are things that God does. Let's look at another scripture of how God has done that. How the Spirit has done that. Acts 10.19. Um, now Peter was, um, if you know the story, Peter's praying. And he's at home praying on the rooftop. And it's about a bit, it's almost lunchtime. And kind of he's hungry. And while he's praying and he's thinking about his food, he has a vision of food. And he has a vision of um, all these unclean animals. And God says to him, Peter, I want you to eat. And anyway, the story goes on. And while Peter was pondering the vision... Look what it says. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. And then what does he do? He gets up and he actually goes to the three men. And he, and he witnesses to them. And when he witnesses to them, those are the very first Gentiles in the Bible that get saved. Cornelius. But how does it start? Well, he has a vision. And the Holy Spirit says, Peter, I want you to go with these men. And he says, Okay, yes, Lord. Let's look at another scripture dealing with that. And this is in Acts 13 uh, in a church called Antioch. And in Acts 13 it says, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So what's happening is they're praying together as a group. And suddenly the Holy Spirit says, Set them apart, pray for them. They're going to go and do work for me. Have you ever happened to that in a meeting where you're praying or you're worshipping together and the Lord speaks in the meeting? Now the question is this, if I want to ask you, sorry, I'm doing a teaching this morning. My primary gift is a teacher, so I really want to come in. That's what I do. I teach, so that's why. It feels, maybe you feel like you're in the classroom this morning. Hey, man. <laughs> All right. So I want to ask you a question. How did the Holy Spirit speak? How did the Holy Spirit speak? Because it tells us that they're worshipping and fasting and the Holy Spirit speaks. Did the Holy Spirit go, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. <laughs> Is that you, Lord? You know? Like a voice from heaven that came down. But like when Jesus... Or was there... Uh, like someone's... 
pot plant that began to burn. And, you know, how did the Holy Spirit begin to speak? Interesting enough in this context. Well, firstly, I want to say we don't know because it never tells us how the Spirit spoke to them. But what we do know is that in the church, there were prophets, there were believers, and there were people that were filled with the Spirit. And so I think what probably would have happened is that the Holy Spirit would have spoken through someone else. Someone would have had a sense, like one of the leaders, one of the prophets would have said, actually, we believe the Lord is setting apart. And while that person said that, the rest of the people were like, ah, oh, yes, we also believe that. We witness with that in some way. Most likely, or someone could have had a dream. We'll look just now at how the Holy Spirit speaks through dreams. But we see that this took place. And I want to ask you today that, you know, sometimes if you're in a church meeting or in a community group or you're with some friends and you're praying together and someone says, I feel the Lord saying this, I want to say to you, be very careful not to dismiss it. And sometimes we've got to take those words and we've got to go, Lord, is this you speaking? And maybe you want to speak through my brother or my sister and say something to me through them. Um, you know, recently we had someone come to us um, in Josh Jen. Um, he, his name is Rodney. He's a, um, he's a prophet. Uh, was recognized as a prophet. And we got together in one of the guy's homes. We had breakfast together. And this man, Rodney, who moves in the prophetic, we said to him, he just came and prayed for each one of us. And, you know, when he went around the room and prayed for us, it was as if he was reading the secrets of our hearts. And he was telling us things about ourselves that's like, why would he know that? And in the room, there was a sense of, for me anyway, I think you, Henry was there as well, there was a sense of just the presence and the awe of the Lord, that God is speaking. And how was he doing it? He was doing it through a man. So I want to say to you, let's not despise when someone brings something. Don't ever despise something like that. Um, of course, you know, the Bible says that we don't just believe everything we hear. If someone says to you, Cody, I feel that you need to marry Michaela. They're both single, by the way. <laughs> and they're not in, in a relationship. And I go, the Lord says you need to marry Michaela. Now, he's going to be a, a mature believer and go away and, and, and test that. And he's going to bring it to others and say, this is, whoa, this is what someone said to me. So we have to be very careful not to receive anything. But we have to also not despise when God speaks through the Spirit, sometimes through people, in a way that maybe you wouldn't expect. Um, let's carry on. Look at the next scripture. And it says, Acts 13, verse 4. And, um, and here, again, speaking about Paul and his friend, and they're traveling together for the gospel. And it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to... Sorry, that's actually the, the same portion with Paul and Silas, Barnabas, sent out by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit sent them. You know, have you ever felt the Lord send you somewhere? Uh, or maybe you've relocated and you felt the Lord lead you somewhere? That happened to us. Um, we in 2004, uh, I was a school teacher. So I was a high school teacher and I was serving in the church. We really came down to Cape Town to serve and to give our lives for the, just for what God was doing in Josh Jane. And so I was a full-time school teacher. My wife was a mom. Our girls were four years old and two years old. And we just wanted to count for the Lord, whatever that meant. If it meant whatever, if I had to serve tea, fine, whatever. I just want to count for the Lord. And in that place and in that time, uh, we had started a little home group in Oatsorn. And I remember thinking, whoever would want to move to Oatsorn? I remember thinking that thought, whoever, Lord, never send me there. Have, have, you, have you prayed that prayer? Lord, you know, you drive to a place, I never want to go there. Some of you said that with Crabeau probably. I never want to go to Crabeau. <laughs> but let me shocked, it's like, why? This is the, some of you are like, no, but this is the center of, this is the land of milk and honey, you know? This is the promised land. Like, why wouldn't you want to come to Krabo? Cody's looking at me like, you know, Mike, no, 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 no. Maybe the Lord is sending... No, anyway. <laughs> so, while... And I'd been thinking that, but um, we had a little home group. And so we had started a home group in Oatsorn. At that point, Josh Jen never had any other congregations. We only had one church, one congregation, and that was in Sunningdale PM. That was our only congregation. 
And we had started a second service. We had a morning service and an evening service. We were about 300 people in the church, 250. And, um, and so we had this home group in Oatsorn. But it wasn't, we didn't know what to do with it because we didn't have multi-site churches. And, um, and we had a, a deacon couple that went to Oatsorn for work. And so they started a little home group. And they said, like, let's see what happens. And I remember the one, it was a Saturday morning, and I was praying, having my quiet time, and I felt just prompted to pray for Oatsorn. And I prayed for the couple, Jean and Yvonne, that were there, prayed for them, prayed just for the town. And as I prayed, it was as if the Lord spoke to me. And just, I had this thought come into my mind, but I knew instantly it wasn't from me. And the thought was this, Mike, you are going to plant a church in Oatsorn. You're going to relocate to Oatsorn. And I felt that I, I just felt at that moment that the Spirit was sending me. Uh, and I was like, no, okay, no. So, I, uh, anyway, and I went to my wife and, my, and I said to my wife, babe, this is what actually I feel in the Lord. And she's like, I witness with it as well. What? <laughs> and after I'd spoken to her, I went to the elders. I went to Andrew because I don't, you know, we don't believe in being went and those who just go. We don't just go on our own steam. We're always those who are prayed out, especially for a big move. You never want to, you always want to work under authority. And so I went to those under authority. I went to Andrew and the elders. There was only two other elders in, in those days. And went to them and said, guys, I feel like the Lord could be sending us. And they went away and prayed about it. And together we witnessed that this was right. And so they sent us to Oatsorn. But where did it start? It started because I had, a, I had a sense that the Spirit said to me, Mike, I want you to go. And sometimes we must be aware of those, those, those thoughts that come that could be from the Spirit. That's often how he speaks. Let's look at the next scripture. Acts um, 15, 28. In fact, let's go to the next one and I'll go back to this one afterwards. Acts 16, 6 to 7. And it says, um, and again, this is Paul and he's traveling now with a different guy, Silas. And they're traveling around again. They're in ministry, preaching the gospel. And it's interesting this, it says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to. Can you see that the Lord is leading them? Like they're not just simply, you know, making their own plans and going. They're actually being led by the Lord. Even to the point where they feel the Lord saying, no, don't go there, go there. And while they're doing this for ministry, yes, this is, this is for evangelism. And maybe there's a special grace for those that do, when you do evangelism, the Lord does lead you like that in some, sometimes. But I think it's something that we can trust for in our lives, following Jesus. Interesting, how did the Lord forbid them when it says that they were forbidden by the Spirit? Well, if you read the context... Um, it actually says that they had a dream. Well, that was actually earlier. They had a dream where someone said to them, come over to Macedonia, and they were going to go there, and then they realized, no, they need to go there. Any of you ever have dreams where you feel the Lord speaks to you through dreams? I want to say, if you, if you have dreams, do not discount your dreams. Write them down. Pray about it. If you feel, often God would speak through ways like that. Maybe because He knows He can't get your attention when, you, when you're awake. <laughs> So he has to speak to you when you're sleeping. <laughs> and the Bible says old men will dream dreams. Young men will see. So if you're old, you should be claiming that for dreams, right? If you're over 50, <laughs> I'm 49, so I'm okay. <laughs> Let's look at one more scripture. Um, Acts 15. And, and again, can you see how the Holy Spirit in some ways was their traveling companion? He was within them, guiding them. As they were following Jesus and loving Jesus, they have a helper who's with them, and the helper is, is in helping them to navigate through life. Let's look at the, the last one. There are others, but look at the last one. And this is where the churches got together to debate a theological issue that is affecting the church. And the question is, should the Gentiles be circumcised? Should those that are not Jews, now that they have faith in God and have faith in Jesus, should they be circumcised like the Jews? And there's a big debate going on because at that time it wasn't that obvious that if you are a follower of the Lord, that you should not be circumcised. And they're having this debate and they're trying to find the will of the Lord, but they're doing it through talking. They're actually debating. One gets up and shares, Paul gets up and says, no brothers, it's not right. 
that they should follow the Jewish laws. And others get up and say, well, surely we should be following the law of Moses. And they're, they're trying to find the will of the Lord. You know, sometimes when we want to find the will of the Lord, we have to sometimes discuss it with one another. It's good that you pray, and obviously we want to pray, but sometimes you've got to go to those that are mature in the faith, and you've got to talk about it, and wrestle it through, and, and look at the different angles. And as you do, sometimes God brings His will into that situation. And this is one of those moments where the church is arguing, well, they're debating, and they're having a robust discussion uh, and a debate. And as they do so, they eventually settle where one of the men, James, who's a leader in the early church, he gets up and eventually says, okay, we've heard enough. And he begins to say, it's my judgment. And he begins to make a call as the leader where he says, actually, we know the Lord is speaking. And we know that if you're a Gentile, and in fact, even for all Christians, you do not have to be circumcised. You don't have to follow the law of Moses. What saves you is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in his work, in his finished work. And so then he carries on and says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And he basically gives them basic requirements. But he says to them, But it seems good to us and seems good to the Holy Spirit. You know, and sometimes when we want to discover the will of the Lord and we want the Spirit to guide us and lead us, sometimes it's just a sense of a witness. Yes. And it's interesting, it doesn't say that, um, it just says it seemed good. It seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. What do you mean seemed good? I don't know. What does that mean? I'm not sure. But these were people that were in relationship with the living God. And as they're trying to navigate sometimes the very difficult decisions in life, they, they, they use the body of Christ. They're accountable. They're not just on their own as a, as a lone, lone cowboy in the wilderness going, you know, I'm, I'm just me and the Lord. No, they're in a community of faith that are also spirit-full and that know the Lord. And as they are trying to navigate through life and these theological big Bible decisions, they have a witness together in the Lord. And I want to say, my friends, the safest place to be is in the local church. Isn't that where if you want God to speak... Be with the brothers and sisters. Give your life in. Because if you are on your own, on the fringes, while God, of course, can speak to you, but it's not safe. Because you need sometimes the witness of others saying, but it also seems good to us and to the Spirit. And it's interesting. It doesn't just say, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just say that, but it also seemed good to us. Amen? And sometimes we have to have an agreement in the Lord. And I want to say that if you are busy making an important decision or you know that you are facing a crossroads where you are deciding what to do. Um, personally, when I make those kind of decisions in my life, I never make that decision on my own. I always include others with me. I always look at those that are, that are mature in the Lord and I bring them in on those decisions. Why? Is it because I need permission? No. It's because why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to ask you if you also fill with the Spirit and carry wisdom? It would be doff not to do that. Right? And that's the beauty of the body, of the way that the Spirit seems to speak sometimes. Um, I want to share one more story with you. And um, I've got a good friend um, who was sharing with me recently how she'd been running away from the Lord. And um, in a moment of, she was way out, she was backslidden actually. And she was living in Europe living uh, or pairing for a couple in the Netherlands, a Dutch couple. And she wanted to run away from God, run away from her, her, her parents' faith. She wanted nothing to do with it. And while she was in the Netherlands, um, the couple that she was staying with, they were atheists. They didn't believe in God. They were agnostic. They uh, didn't believe it. They were hardened, didn't like church. They didn't like Christians. But the problem was, the brother of the man that she lived with, uh, the couple that she lived with, he was a Bible-believing Christian. And the one Sunday, they came to their house for lunch. And anyway, they had lunch together. <clears throat> and then this family, the, the Christians left. And the father afterwards um, came through. And, and this friend of mine, she was washing the dishes in the back or doing the ironing in the back. And he came through and was like, oh, these Christians. Ah, oh, oh, I can't believe they worship Jesus. Oh, I can't believe they're so arrogant. 
They think that Jesus is the only way. And he was like, wow, they're so narrow-minded. And he was going off about them. And he was really angry about his brother. And while he was there, the, this friend of mine said, yeah, I can't believe these Christians too. I can't believe that they actually believe that Jesus would die for their sins. And as she said those words came out of her mouth, the Spirit spoke to her. Instantly the Lord said to her, but I died for your sins. And she was cut to the heart. And anyway, she carried on like nothing happened, just pushing it down, pushing it down. And she went home to South Africa about six months later and got gloriously saved. Came to Christ, is serving Him today. What happened? The Spirit spoke to her. The Spirit of Jesus, the one that points us back to Christ, spoke to her. And you know, the Lord does that. He, he speaks to us today. Why? Because He's living within us. He's our helper. He wants to empower us to, to follow the Lord, to obey the Lord. And something I've realized, and as I close, and, um, I've realized, you know, that it says that we have another helper. He's like, we need help. I don't know about you. I need help. I need help to serve the Lord. I cannot do it in my own strength. I have tried and I have failed. <laughs> we cannot obey God through the arm of the flesh. We need the, the power of the Spirit. We need the work of Jesus in our lives. And how do we do that, my friends? We, we ask Him again and again, every day, Lord, would you fill me? Would you, would you empower me? Would you enable me to live for Christ? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, by the way, the Holy Spirit is such a, a, a someone once called Him the forgotten person of the Trinity. That He's in the shadows. We, he doesn't ever make Himself, He doesn't want to be the center of attention, the Holy Spirit. Why? Why doesn't he want to? Because his job is to put the spotlight onto Jesus. He is the Spirit of Christ. He's the one that Jesus says will remind us of the truth. And I want to encourage you that even when you read your Bible and you want to, you know, do you ever go through those periods? I do. When you read your Bible and you feel like it's Chinese. You know, you read it. Like, I have no idea what it's saying. It's like, it just, it just means nothing to you. What do you do in that case? You go, to the, you go to the Lord, say, Spirit of God, would you come and would you just come and soften? Would you give me ears to hear? Would you teach me like your word says? And the Bible says that we are taught by the Spirit. So even while I'm speaking to you today, I'm speaking to you with human words. I'm speaking to you with limited, frail words. But behind my words is the person of the Spirit communicating truth to your minds and to your beings. He will minister to you in ways that I never can. Because that's what he does. He teaches. 1 John says the anointing teaches you. And ultimately, while we have human teachers, we have to know that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. As John 14 says, teaching us, leading us. When last did you open your, uh, as you're doing a Bible study or reading the Bible, and you suddenly had that scripture go, wow. Ah, oh, now I understand what it means. You ever had that moment? Isn't that beautiful? When you're reading the scriptures and it suddenly hits you between the eyes. That is the work of the Spirit. Teaching, leading you, um, as you do. Just as a, a, um, one scripture we're going to read in closing. I want to read this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. By the way, just before I read this, I want to say one of the things that we must be careful of, although we're a spirit people, we're a church that is full of the spirit, we need his spirit to live for him, to obey him. One of the things we have to be careful of is not to be, we need to be wild, but you mustn't be weird. <laughs> and I want to just say, just be careful that we don't become weird. Um, I'll just mention two examples. Of, like the one guy who, you know, got up in the morning and looked um, for his socks and he said, Lord, this morning, what pair of socks should I wear? Should I wear my, you know, my blue socks or should I wear my black socks, my gray socks? Or maybe you want me to wear two different color socks today to witness for you or something, you know? What should I wear? And he felt the Lord say to him, son, I'm your father, not your mother. <laughs> right? And, and, and sometimes, you know, God has given you the mind of Christ. He, He's given us to love Him with our minds. And so walking with the Spirit in fellowship with the Spirit doesn't mean we don't use our minds. No, we love Him with our minds. We, 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 we think through things. And I want to say this, Paul says to Timothy, um, I think it's in 1 Timothy, it's in, yeah, sorry, it's 2 Timothy um, 
chapter 2. He says to him, I want you to think through what I'm saying, because as you think it through, the Lord will reveal it to you, he says to Timothy. And I find sometimes the way the Spirit speaks to me is when I read the Bible and I think it through. So don't switch off your mind. Don't try and say, well, okay, I'm going to now take my mind out and not use my mind anymore. No, no, that's not the way God works. And the last thing I want to say to you, you know, don't be like that person. I, I had a, a story of a friend in um, Johannesburg years ago. Dudley Daniel actually shared the story of an evangelist. But what he did was he was too scared to speak to people about Jesus. So he would hide in the shadows, in the alleyways, in the center of Johannesburg in the 1970s. And he'd hide in the shadows. And as the busy street was going past him, men and women walking up and down, he'd hide in the alleyway behind the, the building. And he'd, and he'd, and he'd go, Sue Jesus! And he'd hide away again. <laughs> and then he'd hide, and then someone would turn around. What? Sure? What? Oh. <laughs> and then again he'd go, Sukis. <laughs> but no one ever saw him. He was the hidden evangelist. Sukis means find Jesus. If you, in Ukrainian, you know, find Jesus, right? And, but what's the problem with that? I want to say that while God, of course, God can do that. God can use weird, all right? God can work. I mean, we're all weird in some way, but he can use weird. But that the way of the Lord is to love people, to engage with people. And what the Spirit does, if the Spirit really leads you, He'll lead you to love someone. He'll lead you to build someone up. He'll lead you to bring unity. He'll lead you never to divide, never to confuse. Um, I don't think that's the, the, the heart of the Lord in those things. And so in closing, I love the scripture. It's a benediction at the end of 2 Corinthians 13, where he ends this. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so we have this promise that the helper, we can fellowship with him. We can talk to him. We don't intercede to him. By the way, if you want to pray or ask God, don't ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Father. That's what we should do. But we should speak to the Spirit. We, we should, like the one man said, you wake up in the morning and you can go, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And as we do so, we, we cultivate a relationship with Him as we, as we get sensitive to His voice. And, and when the Lord convicts you uh, and He speaks to you about sin, you're sensitive to that. You're not hardened to sin um, as we do. Can I share one more story? Then, I'll, then, then I'm going to end. Just with, um, um, a while ago, um, I'll just share the story of how the Holy Spirit convicted me and I'd been asking the Lord just to make me more sensitive to him because I know I don't know about you but I know for me I get very task orientated and when I go about my day my week I've got a list and I've got things to do and I go and do it and sometimes I forget that the Lord is with me and I forget to cultivate a sense of like Lord speak to me today lead me but sometimes God speaks to us by convicting us of sin and um, my son he um, he wanted to wear my, my shoes. He's big now. So his feet size are the same size as mine, almost. And so I bought these nice sandals from Brazil when I was there last year. It's Havaianas. And um, yeah, and so I got these Havaianas and they were my pride and joy. I like that particular pair. And, uh, and so I was walking, I was at home and my son came walking into the lounge. Like this, you know, he's got a bit of swag, my boy. You know? And he came walking with my, my pair of slip slops. My, my, my shoes on. He was wearing my shoes, my Havaianas. And my first reaction was, hey, take them off. That's mine. Put it back in the cupboard. Get your own shoes. Because he had his own. Not Havaianas, but he had his own slip-slops. And I said, go, go find your own. And he said, oh, Dad, I lost them. I can't find them. That's why I, I saw yours in your cupboard, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to wear yours. I was like, oh, okay. But, you know, find your shoes. And anyway, we carried on with our day. And the next morning, I um, got up and I uh, was actually shaving. I remember shaving in the mirror. And while I was shaving, just not thinking, I prayed in the morning, but I, hadn't, I was just shaving. And while I was shaving, have you ever found the Lord speaks to you while you're washing the dishes? Yeah. Or you're mowing the lawn? Or you shave? You know, at the most inopportune time, sometimes the Lord will drop something within your heart. And while I was shaving, I felt the Lord say to me, he asked, I felt him ask me a question. And I don't feel him speak to me that often like that. But he said, Mike, do you, do you think I'm a good father? 
do you think I'm a good father? I was like, yes, Lord. Sure. Yeah, you're a very good father. And he says, but why, why have you been stingy towards your son? Haven't I given you all things? And uh, I was like, ah, oh, the shoes, the shoes, the shoes. <laughs> and I didn't reflect the heart of the father. I actually was, I wasn't being generous and open-handed. And I felt so convicted. The spirit spoke to me and was convicted my heart. I was like, ah, oh, I actually haven't been a good father. And I, and, la- and I finished up, I think Dan hadn't gone to school yet. I remember sitting him down and said, Dan, so you know what happened yesterday? I just want to say to you, you can wear any of my shoes any of the time. <laughs> because I haven't actually reflected God well. Would you forgive me? I'm so sorry. And it was so good for our relationship. But I had to allow the Spirit to cut me and convict me. My friends, I want to ask you, you know, sometimes if you're a bit stuck spiritually, maybe you're not growing, maybe the Lord is wanting to prompt you or speak to you, but we have to listen. We have to turn. We have to. And I want to trust today that we could just allow the Lord to come and minister to us this morning. Where I would love us to have a time of prayer where we're going to pray for one another and trust for the Spirit to come and speak. Do you want the Spirit to speak this morning? Yes. I know I do. Um, you know, he is, he is so interested in the detail of your life. Um, he's a Father who loves you. And the Father, through Jesus, has given His Spirit because He wants to help us. To live for him on this earth. So I'd like to pray for us as we do and create some opportunity for that. So let's just bow our heads. Maybe you're feeling a little bit stuck in some area right now. Just let the Lord 
in the way that you welcome people who are breaking the in the way you connect people who are breaking the link, and specifically felt that we did om mensen te net met mekaar te dring en net die atmosfeer te skep van ek trek mense saam en ek ken glad die kool nie en ek dring in die kool nie dat daar iets sal wees die oos sal opgaan en sê ja, dit is wat hier in my voor geluk bent maar dit is van trust in this moment voor koning vader voor mense vader dat jy weet kan doe work in this life dat jy is kool te be a leader jy is kool te be somebody that connects people vader en trust so there will be such a sense of purpose in his life, Father. Father, I trust that many young men will sit around and say, how? Oh. <laughs> um, Father, I trust that by his spirit he would speak for you into his heart. Amen. And then secondly, the thing I felt is in, in Hebrews 12, it speaks about that we need to let go of every weight and sin that, that clings so closely. But I felt specifically that thing of a weight that there's people here or might be one person that struggle with a weight and I felt something of a depression and that sometimes you try to hide it in the form of busyness in the form of just keeping my hands busy then I will forget this feeling that I have on my life but I really felt the Lord wants to come and highlight that thing and bring deliverance in that I want to set you free of that area and I even believe that you've borrowed your ear um, to the voices of the enemy even of suicide uh, that there might be even a sense of this, this in a sense lingered in that, that place too long I believe the Lord wants to draw a line and, and just release uh, a weight um, so maybe we can close our eyes I don't want to trick you on the spot if there's anyone struggling just with that weightiness it might be work, financial, family pressures I would love to pray for you if you just indicate to me